Well, welcome to Downtown Harbor Church, everyone. I'm Adam. I'm the lead communicator here. We're so excited that you made it. You know, it is impressive that you made it on Time Change Sunday. Let's do one of those, huh? That is exciting. You know what is not impressive? The announcements at this church. Are they not brutal? After two and a half years, we still just cannot get it done up here. The guy doesn't even know what, mar- what month it is. Anyway, let's continue. Um, I am so excited that you are here as a part of week nine. I can't believe we're in week nine of the big story. It's the longest series we've ever done here at Downtown Harbor Church. And so just a side note, if you're new around here or it's your first time here today and you're like, I should catch up to figure out what they're talking about, you can do that um, on our website, soflowchurch.com. All of our messages are there in audio format, so you can listen to them in the car or while you're walking or working out, whatever. So if you want to check that out, please do, because there's a lot of history that we've been looking at in about the past eight weeks. Because one of the things that we did at the beginning of this year is we started to ask ourselves a question. Because we kind of put ourselves in your shoes. And if you were sitting here week in, week out at this local church, we would start to ask this question if we were you. Because we've talked about a lot of different people and a lot of different things here at Downtown Harbor Church. And the question that we would ask ourselves is this, hey, how does this all tie together? We've heard of all these names before, Daniel, Noah, Moses, Adam, Joseph, um, Jacob. How does this all tie together, culminating in who we talked about last week in the life of Jesus, the prophesied Savior, the one who from the beginning was foretold and his arrival to earth as a part of this big story was foretold. And sure enough, last week we talked about the life of Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, the one who said that if you believe in him, that you will be made right with God, the creator of the universe. And we talked about him last week. And what I loved last week at Downtown Harbor Church is we actually got to participate in our very first communion together as a local church, celebrating what Jesus commanded his disciples to do at that final meal before he went and was crucified. We got to do that as the first time as a church. It was a really cool and powerful time. But see, our minds would think and our minds would go to, okay, so if we're talking about the big story, and by the way, just so you know, a side note, if you do want to take one of those Bibles on your chair, maybe they're under your chair and follow along with us, you can do that. They're not on every chair, but they're kind of around you. Please go ahead and feel free to take home one of those if you don't have one or maybe tired of looking at your mobile device. Those are there for you. Um, But one of the things that I would assume as a part of this big story is I would kind of go, hey, all right, the prophesied Messiah, the one they've been predicting for thousands of years has finally come to earth, proving that he was who he said that he was, fine. Big story over, done, wrapped. Let's move on to a different series, right? Unfortunately, that's not how it works. Because after Jesus came to this earth and then ascended to heaven and left this earth, he actually had some very clear instructions for those who would call themselves his followers. The big story did not end with him. It continued on. And this is what it says in the book of Matthew, which is the first book in the New Testament, if you're following along. Matthew 28, chapter, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, it says this. And Jesus was talking to his disciples and said his followers, he said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
This is not just about me, guys. This is about me dying and rising again and me now living in you so that you, my followers, can go ahead and spread this message, spread this gospel to a world who so desperately needs a message of love and restoration and hope and redemption. Now it's on you. And so over the next four weeks as we wrap up this story, we're going to take a look at some of the folks who followed after Jesus As this big story continues on, we're going to take a look at those who Jesus would call his followers, those who would claim to follow Jesus. Who were those, right? And we're going to take a look at some of their names. Who were those who followed after Jesus? More importantly, we're going to take a look at this question. Who were those that were responsible for spreading his gospel? Who were some of the guys who, at the beginning of this movement, this Christian movement, this love your neighbor as yourself movement, who were some of the people who were responsible for getting that word out? Who were they? And so this week, we're going to take a look at a guy who, if you remember back to last week, we talked about Jesus and what happened when Jesus called some people to follow him. And we actually put the scripture on the screen where Jesus called this person. And Jesus said to this guy named Simon Peter, hey, Simon, drop your nets and come and follow me. And so each week we've had a trusty prop for each one of the people that we've talked about. And if you know anything about me, for the last eight weeks, we've kind of gone through each one of these props and reviewed and gone down memory lane about who we've already talked about in this big story. But I'm not going to do that anymore because just frankly, I can't keep them all straight and I don't know which prop goes with who, so we're moving on. But this week, we're going to talk about a guy who's represented by what I'm holding and I'm going to talk about what this means in a little bit. But this guy's name, we talked about him last week, is Peter. Peter was one of Jesus' disciples, one of his followers, who would actually be a very close friend of Jesus and then would go and spread this message to a world that so desperately needed it after Jesus was gone, a huge part of this big story. But Peter was a fisherman. Peter was one of these guys who made his living back in biblical times catching fish. And sure enough, I just want you to know, fishermen back then were much different than fishermen are today. Don't think of some dude off the commercial pier with a pole in his hand, right? These guys were rough, tough customers who had to toss their nets over boats and just hope that they brought back fish with them. They lived on the sea. This was a guy who Jesus said, hey, you, drop that net. Come And follow after me. Originally, his name was Simon. Originally, his name was Simon. And as you saw in the Old Testament, and it continued on in the life of Jesus, God and Jesus himself just had the habit of changing people's names. So we talk about that and how he actually had his name changed from Simon to Peter. Because Jesus was doing something. On his earth, not only was he having a time of ministry and performing miracles and spreading his gospel and spreading this peace and hope and truth, he was also identifying some things. Jesus was identifying who would be his leaders once he was gone. Jesus was identifying his leaders once he was gone, and Peter was going to be at the top of that list. And so sure enough, in Matthew chapter 16, if you're following along and you want to turn there, I'm going to be there for a little bit. Matthew chapter 16, we're going to open up to verse 13 through 18. And here we go. It says this, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Basically, let me Reader's Digest that. He's got his guys together, and he's going, hey, people are talking. People be talking, all right? Who are they saying that I am? Who do they say that I am? 
And then they replied, well, some replied, some say John the Baptist, right? Some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, all prophets, right? And, or, or one of the other prophets. And then he asked them this question. Then he asked, but who do you say I am? Boys, right? <laughs> Chime in with me. Who do you say that I am? And somebody answered. And that somebody was Simon Peter. And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now, before we go on, don't miss this. This next verse that I'm going to put on the screen might just be and has been debated amongst people for a long time, might just be the most controversial verse in the history of Christianity. It might be the most controversial verse in the entire Bible. This next verse has divided Christians for thousands of years. It is, dare I say, one of the main verses that exists and how Christian denominations started because of this next verse. It's so key, so it's so important. Don't miss this. Zone in, right? Because Jesus goes on after Simon Peter answered, and he says this, Now I say to you that you are Peter. Remember the name change. He changes his name, which means rock, okay? And I like rock, but I'm not talking about Dwayne Johnson, all right? And upon this rock, okay, I will build my church. But wait a second. Why is this so controversial? What's, what's the deal here? Well, let me explain it because this is so interesting. And some people came up to me after the first service and they're like, thanks so much for explaining that because we had no idea about the history of this verse. There have been different interpretations of this verse over the course of time. And one of the interpretations of this verse, basically Catholics have interpreted this verse in a different way. So the Catholic realm of the Christian faith has interpreted this verse to mean that when Jesus used the word rock, Jesus was actually talking about Peter the man. That on you, Peter, you will be the foundation on which I will build my church. Some of you may be familiar with that. Hence why Peter is actually the very first pope in the Catholic religion, the Catholic denomination of the Christian faith, right? Protestants, on the other hand, Protestants, modern day, call it evangelicals or some of the other mainstream denominations, would, mean, would interpret that verse to say that when Jesus says rock, he's not necessarily talking about Peter himself, the man, but he's talking about the truth. The truth being that Jesus is the Messiah, and Peter then understands that, so that Peter will go be a vessel to spread that rock, that truth. There's a big difference in the interpretation of that verse. And because the interpretation of that verse is so different, Christian denominations formed in some ways because of their reading of that verse. I'll just tell you my personal opinion on that verse. I would probably be in the Protestant camp to go, Jesus is the rock, the truth. This is who he is. And Peter is a vessel who is going to help spread the truth of that truth, of that rock. That's what that means. But that still means that Peter is a really important dude with a really important job on his hands because he's going to go and help spread that rock, that truth, that message. So I started to ask myself a question. Because one of the things that we've done with all of these people is we've looked at their life. 
We've taken a look at some of the hits of their life and some of their highlights of their life, and that's what we're going to do today with Peter. And I started to ask myself this question. Why him? If you look at his life, I was like, why this guy? And we're going to talk about his life today and some of the things that he did and some of his mishaps and shenanigans, shall we say, but why him? But then I started to look at, hey, who is Peter similar to? Maybe there's somebody that I could kind of glean from or have perspective from. I would be like, who is Peter similar to? I mean, because the, the logical answer is, is to say, well, Jesus chose Peter, right? Who He said, you're going to go help spread this message. We, Peter probably would be very similar to someone, probably be more similar to Jesus, or maybe he's even similar in life to God, the Father. Maybe he exhibits these amazing traits. So I started to look at who is Peter similar to? Maybe we can glean from his life that way. And I'll tell you this, there was only one answer that I could come up with. There was only one answer that I could come up with to answer this question, who is Peter similar to? And the answer is you. And not just you, me. Peter was your average run-of-the-mill guy. He was somebody who was just working his way through life, probably a blue-collar guy who was just making it day by day, and Jesus said, you, you have been revealed something by my Father, and you are going to go help be a vessel to spread this truth, this rock, and he's very similar to you and me. So one of the things that we did is we just came up with three things and three ways he was similar to you and similar to me. Some of you are taking notes, some of you take pictures, whatever that looks like. I just want to kind of emphasize those things today because I put them in blue on the screen to help define, hey, why is Peter similar to us? Why did Jesus pick him, this ordinary, average guy, to help go spread this amazing truth? Well, the first one was this. He doubted. He doubted. And the, and the truth is, the fact of the matter is, is if you look at your life, there's probably been moments of doubt in your life too. And there's probably been moments of going, I don't know that I'm in on that. I don't know that I get that. I don't know that I understand all of that. And so because I don't understand all of it, I can't dive in. I can't engage with church. I can't engage with God just because I struggle with doubt. Well, let me tell you about this guy, right, who was going to go be a vessel to spread this truth. See, there was one of those moments where Jesus was performing miracles. And there was this moment where Jesus had performed a miracle and he had fed 5,000 people. He had fed 5,000 people with just some fish and bread. And sure enough, after this miracle had happened and Jesus and his disciples had fed these people, Jesus said to his disciples, Peter included, hey boys, I need some time. Go ahead and cross the sea in a boat and I'll come find you eventually. So sure enough, the disciples, they get in this boat, Peter with them. And what happens when they're in the boat? A storm hits. This big mass, don't think like just this little storm. Think like Irma Matthew kind of storms, right? Like a big storm hits. And the scripture says that waves are crashing against the boat. And they're scared, right? And they're terrified because of this storm that they're in. And you can only relate because you would be too if you were caught in a massive storm in a boat. In fact, one of our guys that goes to DHC, I saw him a couple years ago. He's got a boat. He heads to the Bahamas sometimes and back on this boat. And sure enough, one Sunday I saw him and I said, hey, I didn't think you were going to be here today. And he goes, well, I didn't think so either, but God took me through the storm that I was in, and I need to come and say thanks because I shouldn't be alive. And I'm like, oh, awesome. I've never been caught in one of those storms before. Here's what I just believe. Being caught in the middle of a storm is scary stuff. So Jesus 
knew this. And sure enough, he performed another miracle when he began to walk on water toward his disciples. A miracle that should have never happened. And in Matthew chapter 14, it says this, verses 27 through 31. Because the disciples saw this misty figure coming on the water toward them. But Jesus spoke to them at once and he said, don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I am here. Now imagine this scene, right? You're in the middle of this storm and all of a sudden this dude comes out of the clouds on the water to you. I don't know what I would do, right? But then Peter spoke up and Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, God, hey, this guy here, if it's really you, tell me to come on the water. Well, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. And then Jesus said, yes, come. Peter, get out of the boat. Take a step in faith. Come follow after me. And Peter was zoned in with Jesus in that moment. So Peter walked over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, as you would probably do too, he what? He was terrified and began to sink. He was locked in to Jesus, eyes focused, beeline to God in the flesh. And all of a sudden, he looked around and saw the winds and saw the waves and got scared and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus, I love the scripture. Jesus immediately says he didn't hesitate. He immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? I kind of envisioned him going, Why'd you doubt me, Peter? Why did you do that? You were zoned in. And the truth is, the fact of the matter is, why I started this message by saying that Peter was just like you is because of this. You will have doubts. If you are here or you've been a part of any local church or you've been a part of the Jesus movement or Christianity and you've made it through what you've done without any doubts, I don't believe you. I just don't because I think doubting is real. And if the people who physically saw Jesus in the flesh, the human being who was walking the earth, God in the flesh, who didn't have, and they had doubts, how are we not going to? Their will, don't, this is so key. The truth is about our doubts is what happens is so many people allow their doubt to take them out of the game. We say this around here at Downtown Harbor Church pretty consistently. We just believe this. We believe that trust leads to stronger faith, that trust in God leads to stronger faith, that when you say yes to him and follow his plan for your life, that trust leads to stronger faith. Want to know what else we say? We believe that doubt leads to stronger faith. We just believe that our doubts should strengthen our faith and not destroy it. That our conversations that we have with each other and our conversations that we have with God should strengthen our faith and lead us in a better direction, not destroy us. Because there are going to be moments in faith when you slip. There's going to be moments in faith when you slip, just like Peter did. There's going to be moments when you take your eyes off of God and hear my voice on this gang. Don't miss this. This is so key. That's not an excuse. That is not an excuse to do stupid things. There are consequences for your actions. Hear me loud and clear. However, it is a reality. There are just going to be moments where you go, I don't know about that. Especially if you're new to the faith, or you're new to local church, the local church. You're like, I, I, I don't know if I'm in on that. I don't get that. I don't understand it. Help me to understand it more. That's okay. Allow doubts to strengthen your faith, not destroy it. He doubted. The one who would be this rock that would spread the vessel of the truth. He doubted. 
The second thing that he did was this. He didn't just doubt. He questioned. Oh, an old boy, did he question. Wait, wait till you see this. This is, so, this is so cool, right? In Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 23, Jesus is explaining to his disciples what is about to happen next. And from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Okay, we've talked about that the last couple of weeks. We've talked about Jesus telling his disciples he's got to go and die and then rise again. But what we didn't talk about was what happened right after this next. Peter, this guy took him aside, the savior of the world, the Messiah, and began to rebuke him. Can you imagine doing this? Imagine being this man and going, uh-uh, that's not happening. He goes, never, Lord. He said, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, I love this, get behind me, Satan. What a powerful phrase. You ever said that to your spouse? It doesn't go real well, okay? I'm just saying, it might not be something to avoid in those circumstances. Get behind me, Satan. Oh, I'm just kidding. All right, but Jesus turned and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Peter didn't understand why it had to happen that way. He, you know what he was doing? He was almost playing God. But he wasn't God. And neither are you. And neither am I. He questioned. It's another reason he's similar to us, because we question. And questioning is okay. Downtown Harbor Church is not a place where we are scared of questions because we don't have all the answers either. But we do believe that there is a group of people here who are on a journey together processing those questions and what that looks like. A group of people who are processing those collectively going, let's figure that out together because we're better together at doing it. He denied. He questioned. I'm sorry. He doubted. He questioned. I gave the third one away. I already did it, right? He denied. That's the third one. He doubted. He questioned. And they even denied knowing Jesus. And sure enough, maybe in your life you've experienced the same thing. Maybe it wasn't somebody cornering you and going, hey, right, did I see you at a local church? Do you know Jesus? Maybe it wasn't like that for you. Maybe it was you've had conversations and you didn't own your faith like you wanted to. Maybe you've fallen away from the local church for a length of time. Maybe you've never, ever engaged. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I'm going to talk to you about what happened with Peter. So last week, we talked about the Last Supper. Remember the Last Supper? Where Jesus had told his followers before he was going to go and be killed, hey, take this and eat this, and when you do this, remember me. Take this and drink this, and when you do this, remember me. Jesus also said something else at that supper, and he said it to Peter. He told Peter something. He told Peter, he goes, just so you know, buddy, close friend, Jesus told Peter he would deny knowing him. That Peter would actually say to others, I don't know who Jesus is. I've never met him before. I've never been by his side. I don't know him. Now imagine this for a second. 
one of your very best friends and not just someone who you know casually for the last couple of years, somebody you've gone out with, maybe had a happy hour with, maybe had a dinner or a coffee with, had them over to your place, you've gone to their place. I'm talking about imagine someone who you walked next to for three years straight and watched him perform miracles and watched him change people's lives and engage with people in different ways. And you are now faced with a moment where you your best friend is about to suffer through the worst things they've ever suffered. And your best friend says, when it gets the worst, you're going to deny knowing me. You know what Peter said? No way. Not going to happen. Peter said he would never deny knowing Jesus. Jesus, I will never deny knowing you. I would ne- We've been through too much, man. I'm by your side through thick and thin. I would never deny knowing you. Of all the things you've done for me, no way, boss. I got your back no matter how bad it gets. No matter how bad it gets, I'm never going to leave you because, Jesus, you've said you'd never leave me. I'm in. And then sure enough, they arrest Jesus and put him on trial. And then someone outside of what is going on inside where Jesus is being tried comes up to Peter This vessel that Jesus said he would be used to spread his truth, one of the founders of the Christian faith, dare I say we would not be sitting here maybe if it wasn't for the life of Peter. Someone comes up to him and they go, you, (laughs) I, I know you, you are one of those guys who was with Jesus, weren't you? Peter goes, nope. Not me. First time. In the book of John, chapter 18, it goes on. It says, meanwhile, as Simon Peter was standing by the fire warming himself, they asked him, don't miss this, again, hey, you're you're not one of his disciples, are you? Is, is, unless you trim that beard, right, in the last couple of days, I think, uh, is, is that you, right? You're, you're not one of his disciples, are you? Second time. He denied it, saying, no, I'm not. But one of the household slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, that is a whole nother story for a whole nother time, but another thing that Peter had was a violent temper. He could not control it. A relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off asked, hey, didn't I? Didn't I see you out there in that olive grove with Jesus? Wasn't that you? Again, Peter denied it, and immediately a rooster crowed, just as Jesus said that it would. I wanted to do a sound effect, but they wouldn't let me. They said it was too kiddy. I was like, okay. I really want to have a cock a doodle do thing, come on. But they said, that's your years in kids' ministry speaking. We don't do that. We're adults here. I said, okay, I got you, okay? But immediately, Jesus said a rooster would crow after the third time, and sure enough, it did. And going back, I mean, look at the life of this man. He doubted. He questioned. He even denied knowing one of his best friends, the Messiah, the Savior of the universe, when he needed him the most. So why do we talk about that? Why do we talk about the fact that Peter's like you? 
Why don't we talk about the fact that Jesus said to Peter, you, Peter, are going to be someone who I'm going to use to spread this message of truth and hope. You. Because I truly believe at the end of the day, God gave us the life and example of Peter so that we could know that every single one of us right where we are at, regardless of our doubts, questions, or denial, can be used by God. And so often what we do is we allow those things, the same things that Peter struggled with, we allow those things to take us out of the game. And we allow those things that happen in a real way in each one of our lives, we allow those things to creep into our life. And part of this is the local church's fault, gang. Don't miss this, because we've misrepresented what it looks like to be a Christian, in my opinion, for a long time. But part of us deal with those things, and we go, because I deal with those things, I cannot be used. God cannot use me. I could not think that that is farther from the truth. God used the life of one of his disciples, Jesus did, and said, you are going to go be a vessel to spread this rock, this truth. And if Peter's like you, God can use your life too. And that's the point. So here's the deal. Every week at Downtown Harbor Church, we put a word on the screen because we never want anybody leaving not knowing exactly what to do with this message. And the word is this. What's the practical? So if we're looking at this message and we go, hey, what's the practical for me? How can I hear a message on Sunday and put it into practice on Monday? What's the practical look like for me? Here's the first thing that we just think that you need to do. And so often we forget this specifically as it relates to faith because we think we should know more. We think we should study more. We think we should learn more. We think we should be closer. All of those things are good. You should do those things. But we have to recognize that God is God and you're not and you're not going to have all the answers at times. You have to recognize that you're human. You need to recognize that you're a human being. Human beings who can live with Jesus at the center of their life, much like Peter did, to go out and spread this message and spread this gospel. That's why he chose an ordinary, you know, random, everyday guy, so that thousands of years later we could look at his life and go, I can do that too. I'm not so different than him. And then, as you wrestle through doubts and questions and denying, because all of us are going to wrestle through some of that someday, whether it's on a small level or a big level or a small scale or a big scale, I don't know what that looks like in your life, but I do know this. When those times come, because they're going to come, let doubt strengthen your faith, not destroy it. What if every time that we had a doubt or a question or a conversation, we would look at it as God strengthening our life and strengthening our faith versus going, I don't have it all figured out, so I can't engage. Let doubt strengthen your faith, not destroy it. And you may even come to old age at the end of your days, and you might be still questioning and still doubting. That's okay, because God's never going to leave you and stand right by your side through all of it. And that's where the local church should come in, to stand by each other's sides to help us understand as we doubt and question and deny, just like his right-hand man. Here's just what I want you to know. At the end of the day, at the end of this, there's only one thing that I can say. If God can use the life of Peter, he can use anyone. Look at the life of this man, a man who was an absolute mess from start to finish. He's documented and written about a lot in the New Testament. And if he can use the life of Peter, 
and he can use the life of you, of anyone. So there are some of you right now that are being led in a certain direction, and I don't know. Yeah, you know what? As you go home from church today, the only thing you might rec- you know, remember or you know, understand, there was a dude on a stage holding a rooster. That's true. You might understand that, but here's what I want you to know. It's kind of funny. People are laughing. All right, but here's what I want you to know. God's leading you somewhere. God's calling you to something. And I don't know where each of you are being led or called. But some of you feel like you don't have enough faith. Some of you feel like God can't use you. He can't lead you because you have so much going on. And I just want you to know that if you can use the life of Peter, he, if he can use the life of Peter, he can use anyone. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for who you are. God, I pray that you would just strengthen our hearts with this message, that you would strengthen our hearts with who you are, strengthen our hearts to understand that this big story didn't end with you, Jesus, coming to this earth, but it continues to go on through the life of those who would call themselves followers of yours, through the life of those who would say yes to you and would carry out this message of restoration and hope and redemption. So God, I pray for anybody who might be here today thinking, I, I, I don't know, I'm too far gone. I got too much going on. There's too much in my life for me to sift through and understand. I, I know that you can't use me, so I'm going to detach. I pray that you just speak to them right now loud and clear. That you'd use the life of Peter as an example to them. And that you would continually lift them up so that they may be used by you in all that they do. And God, we love you. We praise you. We know you're hearing and answering that prayer. And we pray this all today in Jesus' name. Amen.